This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Good morning. Today's Bible reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, reading from verse 1 to verse 14. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him or his companions to eat but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath, yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And, but if you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? So that they, so that they may, might accuse him. He said to them, Suppose one of you has only one sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was restored as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading today is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your holy word. May it be a lantern to our feet, a light to our paths, and strength to our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the story of Eric Little made headlines all over the world. British athlete, he was a competitive runner who trained for years and years and made it into the 1924 Paris Olympic Games. But if you've seen the movie Chariots of Fire, you'd know that Little refused to race. 
because Little was a devout Christian and the race was on a Sunday. He was under pressure to capitulate, to run for his country. His countrymen and his king were putting it on him, but he held firm to his principles and did not run on the Lord's day. Now, this was about 100 years ago now, and we might feel a little inspired by Little's moral courage. But there's also something a little quaint about it, a little old-fashioned. I mean, who would take the Lord's Day quite so seriously? And yet many of us do really long for a deep Sabbath rest. It doesn't take an astute social commentator to note that we tend to be busy and tired. And uh, whether it's working from working ridiculous hours or the busyness of family or the burden and work of sickness or disability. And I think it's even heightened by this kind of cult of busyness and hustle. You know, being busy is a status marker. You're nothing if you're not hustling. And the flip side of it too, I think, is this epidemic of, of procrastination and guilt. The cult of busyness means then that idleness or procrastination, or even joblessness, that these things are mortal sins, object of scorn in, other, in others, and of deep guilt and insecurity in ourselves. That, of course, brings its own cycles of tiresome burden. And so, in short, on the one hand, the Sabbath kind of seems like this quaint, old-fashioned thing, but on the other feels impossible to get some real satisfying rest. And so this morning, my hope is that we can recover a real sense of the Sabbath. But I don't mean Eric Little's Sabbath, necessarily, because it's not just a case of refusing to play sport or getting to church on every Sunday and taking a catnap in the afternoon. The Sabbath is actually the heart of the gospel of Jesus. But to begin, we need to look closely at what the Sabbath is for. And it's right there in the commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that we read, verses 12 to 15. And the Sabbath has three purposes in that Old Testament context. And the first was rest. The command was simple right there in verse 13. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. When God created us, we were made to work, work in the garden. And yet we are made from dust. We cannot work forever. We just need to rest. And because of sin, work becomes an even heavier burden. Even the most fulfilling work can become dull drudgery or anxious toil. You know as well as I do that we simply need rest. And so this, the first thing about this Sabbath command then is that it is a gift, do you ever think about the law of God as a gift? I think we can tend to think of it as maybe the strict commands of a, of a strict father telling us what we must do and must not do just according to duty and against all odds. But here in the Sabbath is a generous gift. You don't have to work all the time. You can rest. A rest is great, but the second purpose of the Sabbath is even deeper, even more significant, and it's this. It's to live out the restful relationship that we have with God. 
that the Sabbath is about this relationship with God is there in verse 12. Do you notice the way that it puts it? It says, observe or keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keep it holy. That means set it apart because it belongs to God. It's the day that belongs to the Lord. And it belongs to him because it expresses God's purposes for the Israelites. God saved them out of slavery in Egypt so that they could have a restful and peaceful relationship with him in their land. That's why this long command in verse 15 gives the rationale there. It says, Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So when the Israelites rested, they didn't just put their feet up. They turned their attention to God. They remembered and celebrated the great salvation that, that he gave to them and the relationship that they have with him that brings peace and rest. But it's even deeper than that because the Sabbath is the very purpose of creation. Do you remember back in the, first, the opening chapter of Genesis? You know, the chap- this is one of those places, the first two chapters of Genesis, where the chapters are misnamed, I think. So chapter 1 continues on into the beginning of chapter 2. Uh, the Chapter 1 is God creating on those first six days, and then the first few verses of chapter 2 is the seventh day when God rests. God ceased his work. He Sabbathed. He made that day holy. And so the very purpose of creation was that day this different kind of time that was not about doing things, but about being. Being in the creation, in relationship with humanity. And so when the Israelites, when they kept the Sabbath, they were joining in with what God does. They were joining in in that rest with God, the very purpose of creation. Now I'm going to come back to how we might think about living out the Sabbath, but it's worth pausing here to drive this home. Because so often we think that we just need to switch off, have a glass of wine, put on Netflix, and hopefully get a better night's sleep tonight. But if we're made for a restful relationship with God, then your deepest need and mine is found in Him. Now, if you're tired, it might just be that you need to get more sleep. But it might also be that there is a spiritual tiredness that sleep and beach holidays just won't fix. In his book, Seculosity, David Zahl speaks about not enoughness, this hunger that comes from, this hunger for doing more that comes from guilt or shame or the fear of rejection. And he argues that we all have this kind of not enoughness and we try to fill it with things like busyness and work and leisure and performance. And so we overcommit and fill our lives. And the point about this is that our busyness and tiredness comes from a spiritual disorder. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, where does your weariness come from? Is it just being busy or just getting older or just needing more sleep? Maybe, but it could be that there is a deeper 
spiritual disorder that drives you and feeds into your weariness and tiredness. And so the Sabbath, the purpose of creation for the ancient Israelites, it was for their rest and it was for living out this relationship with God. But then what about us? What does it mean for us to live out the Sabbath? Well, I said I'd get us into thinking about how to keep it, but first we need to stop somewhere else because the Sabbath has actually been radically transformed because Jesus Christ has changed the meaning of the Sabbath for us. Well, if not changed, then transformed it. Because remember I said before that the Sabbath is at the heart of the Christian gospel? That's what I'm talking about. And he radically transforms the gospel in two ways. And the first is this, that when we read before from Matthew 12, remember Jesus called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. What could that mean? Well, it means that Jesus gives us the restful relationship with God that the Sabbath was designed for. He gives us the true meaning of the Sabbath. We saw in Matthew 12 that Jesus heals that, uh, that lame man on the Sabbath. So part of him being the Lord of the Sabbath is that he brings that healing and restoration. And just before chapter 12 are those famous words. Chapter 11, 28, when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And so by his death and resurrection, he releases us from the spiritual disorders that make us spiritually and physically tired. He takes away the guilt and shame that drive us to busyness and overwork, and on the one hand, and to idleness and procrastination on the other. He makes us children of God, honoured and loved by the Father. And so not needing to fill up this not-enoughness. And the living water of his Holy Spirit brings us rest and refreshment. And more than that, he will bring us to a final, ultimate Sabbath rest. That's our destiny. The book of Hebrews speaks about the Christian destiny as a Sabbath, a rest together with God. St. Augustine in the 4th century, he put it like this. He said that we ourselves shall become the seventh day when we have been replenished and restored by his blessing and sanctification and he will cause us to find our rest in him. Jesus transforms the Sabbath by giving us rest with God. But the second way that Jesus transforms the Sabbath is that he takes away its legal obligation. Because Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath by giving us that restful relationship, it no longer functions in the same way as it did for the Israelites. It no longer functions as law over us. And it no longer defines us as it defined them. And so that's why, you know, you get to the New Testament letters and you hear Paul say things like to the Colossian Christians, he says, tells them, not, don't be fixated on keeping Sabbaths. And he says to the Roman Christians, you know, if one person has a holy day and another person doesn't, don't, don't judge them for it. 
In fact, he refers to the weaker brother as the one who insists on the holy day. So since Jesus fulfills the Sabbath, it's no longer law for us. So what do we do then? Do I just stop there? We'll kind of throw the rest away and say, well, no need for the Sabbath, let's just work and uh, scratch the commandment off our back wall and rip the page out of the Bible? Well, don't do that. Um, We like our wall. But also, God's law still shows us what is good. It still shows us the heart of the character of God and also what it means for us to live well as his creatures in his world. And the reality is we're not there in the final rest yet, so we still need rest. It's still important for us to keep these principles, keep the, the idea of Sabbath. So how do we do that? Well, here's three ways that we can live out the Sabbath the first way for us to live it out is to trust in Jesus. Were you expecting that? Not a very practical sermon yet. Thank you. This is supposed to be Ten Commandments. But the ultimate Sabbath rest is found in him. And so the most fundamental way for you to keep Sabbath is to trust Jesus. And it's always worth reiterating this for a couple of reasons. One is that there are always people among us who have not yet given their lives to Jesus Christ. And so perhaps that's you today and perhaps it's time for you today to entrust your life to him, to trust him and to receive that Sabbath rest because without him, you'll never know that rest that he gives by his spirit now and that eternal rest that you can have in Jesus Christ. The other reason is that when you take hold of Jesus, it actually transforms us so we can rest because it tells you that when you're in him, you are enough. You don't need to do more. You don't have to control more or sell more or know more or earn more because you are enough. Your kids, your grandkids, they don't need to do more or be more, or score higher, because they are enough because of Jesus Christ. And so you can rest. The second way for us to live out the Sabbath is to rest, actually rest, and let others do the same. You know, we're finite creatures, and boy, can we forget it. The reality is, is that we, if we want to be spiritually and emotionally and relationally healthy, as individuals and as a church in our communities and families. We, we just need to rest. Uh, Alex Sujung Kim Pang argues in his recent book, Rest, that rest is so good for us. It guards us against chronic stress, against heart disease. We have more fulfilling friendships, relationships, marriages. And resting makes us more productive, Though that is a kind of perverse reason to rest if we just want to do it to get more productive because more deeply rest has a spiritual significance. And it's because when we rest, we entrust ourselves to God. We stop trying to control the world and our lives, pretending that we are little gods. Instead of trying to build status and identity on our busyness and our accomplishments, We just be. 
with each other and with God. And so we need to rest. Now, there are no rules here. Would you work well and productively when it's time to work and rest properly when it's time to rest? Now, I must, I must say that the internet is a huge obstacle to good rest. As a millennial, I resonate with this. It distracts you when you're supposed to be working and then you keep working when you should be resting and then when you rest, it stimulates you so you can't rest properly with social media and binge TV. And so I, I think we just got to do what we can to put those kinds of things to their own rest so we can rest. And rest, notice too in the commandment, it's not just for you, but it's for people around you. Many of us here have responsibilities for people, uh, have people who we're responsible for. Did you notice the way the command, the commandment actually speaks to those who have responsibilities for others? In verse 14, it says, not just you to rest, but also your son or your daughter, your or your male or female slave, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, stock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Gosh, it really hammers at home. It doesn't just say, oh, and the people around you. Everyone, including your animals, everyone needs it. And so it, we need to not just look out for ourselves. Sorry, honey, I'm having Sabbath. I'm not going to do the dishes. We need to be looking out for people around us as well. Parents, we need to give our kids a rest. It's so easy that their lives just become so full that there's no time to just be. To be with uh, with us or with each other or alone with their thoughts or be bored or be with God. Now, what a tragedy if we drive our kids doing so many things that they can't even spend time with God or when they do, it feels like just another thing crammed into their lives and they come to despise it. And Christian employers and managers, we need more than anyone to be looking to help people have time off, to switch off, and not just have to squeeze out every ounce of productivity, but to be refreshed, to be with their families, and just to be and live. We need rest and we need to help others to rest too. And the final way to keep the Sabbath is to live out our relationship with God. Time off is great, but Sabbath is fundamentally about finding rest in that restful, peaceful relationship with God that he calls us to. And so if we're going to learn from not just kind of the basic principle in some abstract way, but also from the concrete details. You know, the Israelites had marked holy time out for them to do these things. So we need to set up patterns of life that, is, that are open to God, making regular, holy, guarded time, regular patterns and habits for giving thanks for reading the Bible, for reflecting on the promises of the gospel, for coming to him in prayer and drawing on his transforming grace. There are so many ways to do it. Here we are in weekly church, brilliant and obvious way. And our morning devotions on our own, prayers before you sleep, meet with a friend, connect groups. All ways of living out the relationship with God, drawing on God's rest. 
A friend of mine uh, gave me recently a, a book that helps me structure my time with God. It's a traditional prayer book, really. And my normal pattern has been tr- typically to try and read some Bible and pray in the mornings. But as I opened this book, it kind of showed me uh, that some, some things from Christian traditions over the years where Christians would four or five times a day stop and be with God. And I've been really challenged by that. And I've personally found that times when I I spend time in the morning and then even five or ten minutes in the middle of the day and five or ten minutes before I sleep, even as prayer as you drift off to sleep, as Psalm 127, I think it's verse 5, says, God gives sleep to those he loves. So I don't think we should ever be ashamed of falling asleep while we pray. What a lovely thing to be able to do. And so what a big difference it makes when we, throughout the day, draw on that restful relationship with God. And again, this is for you, not just you, but also your families. Parents, how are you going with living out that restful relationship with God in your families? Now, it's really hard. And uh, I must say, over the years, I've heard ministers, people say things like, you must, you know set up this particular times or do it this way. But things cha- what works and what doesn't is different for different families and it changes week, sometimes week to week what's manageable. And uh, honestly, over our family life together, I've not prayed and read the Bible with my family anywhere near as much as I feel I would have liked. It's just been hard to make it work, but it really is one of my regrets And so we need to find flexible and manageable ways to live out this relationship with God with our children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews. Because by resting in God, Sabbath is not a burden. It's a gift. The Sabbath was a gift of God to the Israelites as they found respite from their work and celebrated in his salvation. And for us, Jesus Christ gives us that ultimate Sabbath rest. And so what a gift and what a privilege it is for us to draw on that daily and weekly as we grasp hold of the wisdom and gospel of Sabbath in him. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for the rest that you give us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you that we can draw on this for daily rest and restoration. And so, Father, in the thick of things, would you enable us to do just this? Please, by your spirit, would you be changing us to orient our whole lives towards drawing from you, even as we work in the world, and also to rest and help others to do the same. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.